Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 203 of Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the kooky creatrix behind Kick-Ass Witch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and All That Good Shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadeboe.com or back on the description page for this episode back on Blog Talk Radio. And today, today I have an awesome interview for you. And it's a little bit longer than my usual shows, so you might want to grab yourself a cup of tea and get comfy because I know you don't want to miss this. Mr. Firelight, the left-wing dirt-worshipping host of Insighting a Riot is on the show today. Insighting a Riot is, as far as I know, one of the longest-running and most popular pagan podcasts on the scene. And Firelight, I now know, is one of the most delightfully talkative witches I have ever had the pleasure to speak with. Um, And during this extra long and super juicy interview, he shares his thoughts on everything from ancient pagan religions that are not so ancient after all, the evolutionary life of a pagan podcaster who has been at it for years, and of course, creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. I think you are all going to love this. Those of you especially who I know are already fans, but also I think those of you for whom Inciting a Riot is brand new. So without any further ado, let's get this party started. Hello, Firelight. Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. Hi, Joanna. Very nice to meet you. Very nice to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, we already got some Twitter excitement. Somebody was... um, squatting on our Twitter conversation. So I'll bring that up later. But I know people love you so much. And just that Nicole jumped in to be like, Oh, my God, you're going to interview him. I was like, I think this is going to go very well. (laughs) People will people will be happy to hear this. Um, So for people who don't know, my audience is actually I don't think it's as pagan as your audience. I have a mix. It's very witchy. It's very pagan. But there's also just a ton of just straight up new agey people that are new to all things pagan. And um, do you consider yourself a witch? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, And and the audience for my show uh, is 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 equally diverse, uh, pretty much because of the nature of the show. Um, uh, Huffington Post actually ranked my show as, uh, it was the only pagan podcast to make the list. And so I was, I was pretty thrilled, but the Huffington Post put together a list of, uh, the, what they called the greatest, uh, podcasts in the world for spiritual seekers. And, uh, my show made that list. Um, and I was, yeah, I was the only pagan podcast to make the list. I was super thrilled about that because there are some amazing pagan podcasts out there, uh, uh, Chris Oropello, uh, Chris Oropello over at um, Down at the Crossroads, right. and Corey and Lane over at New World Witchery, and 
the indomitable Velmanite shade of, of which is Bruhaha. She doesn't do that anymore, but at the time, um, you know, and, and so many others, uh, Mojo and Sparrow, Wiggly and Way, and I promise I won't just sit here and do shout outs, but there are so many other pagan podcasts, but I think that what makes Inciting a Riot unique is um, the, the breadth of topics that I discuss because, um, you know, I, I have a background in social science, in criminal justice. I uh, worked in the court system for years. I'm very passionate about social and civil justice issues. Um, I am very passionate about keeping the pagan community uh, current with what's going on in the world, with real world issues, because I think that in any community, uh, this happens, but I think we get so insular about the kinds of, of uh, topics that we discuss, the kind of news that we uh, partake of, the uh, kinds of media that we reach out to. And I've gotten so many emails over the years from people saying that I am their one and only source for like news, which is, first of all, it's sad, but <laughs> second of all, I mean, it's 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 one of the reasons why I continue to, to format the show the way I do. So the show is, is not just for a pagan audience. It's for anybody that's really a seeker of, of spirituality, a seeker of knowledge. I mean, it's a very, um, uh, uh, not quite skeptical oriented show, but it's a, it's a show that orients a, a search for the spiritual around, uh, uh you know, critical thinking Ooh, and, yes, uh, good research. Thinking. Critical yeah. thinking. Yeah. You know what I relate to in that too is I wanted to do something similar with my biz. I wanted to say I'm a witch who happens to be into personal development. So a lot of people when they find me the first time they're like teach me witchcraft and I do sometimes you know incorporate magic but what I really want to teach is personal development. So it's I think there's something interesting about opening up the conversation and not just talking about, you know, just being relegated to talking about paganism, for example, and to say, hey, there's this pediatrician who is also a witch. There is this lawyer who is also a witch and putting all these different faces and being like, witches are people too, you know? I really like that you do that and that you bring so much critical thinking, that you're very political, which <laughs> I, I happen to love. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so let's tell, uh, let's tell people about inciting a riot before yep. before we get rolling too much because um, they need to go check inciting a riot out immediately after this. <laughs> thank you. Um, inciting a riot uh, came out. Um, I started the show in two thousand nine, so I've been doing it for a minute. <laughs> um, and when I started the show, most of the pagan podcasts out there, with a, with a couple of notable exceptions, but most of the pagan podcasts out there um, uh, were th – there was this kind of generic formula for pagan podcasts at the time. And anybody that was listening to pagan podcast six, seven, eight years ago will remember that it was, you know, we're going to open up the Scott Cunningham uh, Herbal Encyclopedia. We're going to open up – uh, the Scott Cunningham Gem Encyclopedia. We're going to do a stone, a stone, an herb. We might do a spell a day. Uh, and that's going to, you know, and then somebody, you know, will kind of chat at the beginning and chat at the end. And I can't tell you. I mean, there was about three years, 2009 to probably 2011, where so many, I mean, my goodness gracious, we had pagan podcasts up 
through the ears for about two and a half, three years. It just seemed like there was a new one every couple weeks. And, you know, they would last a couple of months. And it, they most of them followed that formula. Mm-hmm. And I just felt, I mean, I loved the concept of pagan podcasting. I loved podcasting in general because for me, I mean, I had that year just moved to Chicago from from a really small town in Texas. And, you know, I didn't quite have a community yet. And for me, pagan podcasts were a great way for me to feel as though I had a community, feel as though, you know, that that I had voices around me and that I could learn. I mean, I was still in my early 20s at the time. And, uh, you know, I, I was desperately seeking sort of that sense of camaraderie. But I also felt that there was something missing from conversations. And I distinctly remember there was a show and I, I love them. Um, uh, and they they still podcast to this day. But I just remember they had this episode about uh, the burning times. And, you know, you could tell that the hosts were trying to dance around whether or not the burning times were real and whether or not they actually happened. And you got the sense that the, the host knew that that it really wasn't very real and yada, yada, but they never really actually said it. And I said, I want a show. <laughs> that isn't afraid to take the topics that we all really want to talk about in the way that we really want to talk about them and just do it (laughs) for good or for ill, just, you know, get the good research. You know, I, I, you know, I had a few, I have a few degrees. I mean, I know how to do good research. I mean, my gosh, if you get a degree in social sciences, all you do is do research. (laughs) I mean, you know, you, you literally have classes called research methods and, you know, I know how to do good research. And so I kind of wanted to present this idea of, well, what if we took simple, basic pagan, pagan topics and looked at them with a critical eye with good research? I bet it would cause a riot. (laughs) And so inciting, and so inciting a riot was born, um, and it has been pissing people off and making people think ever since. Since two thousand nine. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You actually look like you're still in your twenties, by the way. Um, oh my! Even in your early twenties, you said I started in my <laughs> early twenties. I'm like, well, how old are you? Like, you still look that way to me. Um, oh, thank you. I am about to turn thirty-one. Oh, congratulations! Happy birthday. Oh, well, I mean, it's still a couple months away, but yeah, thanks. (laughs) So do you feel like, so initially you're inciting a riot by kind of lifting the lid on this conversation about paganism, separating fact from fiction, which is fascinating because we live in a time where I think that is more important than ever post-election. Do you feel like inciting a riot has evolved or changed? Oh, absolutely. Or come to mean more than just originally what you thought it would be. Absolutely. I mean, you know, first for the first several years of the podcast, um, uh, uh, you know, I, I was doing these singular topics, you know, I, I, you know, very early on, I did a show on the burning times and I, you know, had all this research and yada, yada. And I would do things on like color correspondences and how to think about them critically and whether or not the science behind, you know, how we see color matches up to kind of the given uh, uh, common wisdom, so to speak, in the pagan community of how we use color correspondences and magic, you know, those kinds of things I would take on kind of singular topics. And then I think things started to change a few years in when I did uh, 
a scientific riot. And that was my first big roundtable discussion with, um, uh, I got folks that are experts in lots of different scientific fields. I had a social scientist on, uh, who was, who was Sophia, who, um, has now uh, changed her name to to Naomi, uh, formerly of divine community. She's a social scientist from the UK. Uh, I had a geologist on Kathleen Borealis of Borealis meditation. Um, we had a doc, like an actual MD doctor on, uh, we had, uh, biochemist on, uh, you know, just this, this broad swath of, natural physical scientists and sort of talked about that meeting place of the scientific and the spiritual. And that for me was a turning point. Um, and for, I think a lot of people that listen to the show, it was a big turning point. Um, because for the first time, you know, we had pagans, actual dyed in the wool pagans sitting there talking about how to think critically, how to, not let the fact that you know how something works get in the way of of the magic of it all. Um, and I think that that's sort of been a, a big point of my show is that we can uh, think critically, we can expect good research, we can demand good uh, conversation, we can demand good content, um, we can demand high quality content from our publishers, from uh, our authors, from our fellow podcasters. I mean, we can we can as a community say, done having these wishy washy one oh one level conversations. I really want to get into how things work, how I feel about how that works, and and you know what that all means to me and and my spiritual path. And it doesn't have to take away from the magical aspects of being a witch or a pagan or a, you know, a non-denominational spiritual seeker or whatever you want to say. Um, yeah, I, I think, and, and it really evolved from there. I am so happy because the audience for the show has really gone with me on this journey. I mean, there have been episodes that really had very little to do with paganism that got even more hits and even more feedback than, uh, you know, some of the, the strictly spiritual, strictly pagan shows. I mean, there have been times when we had guests on the show talking about uh, abortion and access to women's health. Uh, my, my episode 107, Inciting a Feminist Riot, um, talks, you know, I, I had extended conversations with two women who you know, one is an OBGYN and the other is an author of uh, a book, but, you know, both badass feminists. And that conversation wasn't necessarily very, very pagan, but it was good, solid, amazing information from these good, solid, amazing, badass feminist uh, women. And I thought it was a show worth putting out. And the response has been amazing. And I think that when you, you know, put in the time and the effort, I think people will follow you and will respond. And I'm so grateful that the audience has has followed and responded how it has. Yeah. You know, you're impossible to interview. I'm just going to say right now. I'm, next time, I'm just going to send you a tape recorder and be like, here, you like literally <laughs> everything I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about inciting a feminist <laughs> riot and just like, you're like beating me to the punch every time. I'm like, well, there goes that question. Whoop, there goes that question. <laughs> This is this is why the only person in the whole wide world that I could do a joint podcast with is Velma Nightshade because she can talk me under a table. So that is 
<laughs> that's very difficult to do. <laughs> yeah, I've learned to shut up and listen. I've, I've, um, especially when I have a guest like you on, because obviously my audience is listening to me yammer on all the time. Now we get to listen to <laughs> you. Um, but I do want to talk about the inciting a feminist riot episode because sure. I love it. And oh, thank you. I'm really interested in your interest in feminism because clearly you're a man, something that I feel like gay men have been behind the feminist movement for a long, long time. Something I saw happen in 2016, just like on Twitter, which I love, was a lot of straight men like joining the cause and like calling each other out on being sexist, which I had not really seen at that level before. And um, so like men getting with the feminist thing, I'm really excited about that. So what is why are you interested in feminism? Oh, gosh, I I I mean, like I said, I have uh, a a long history of working in social services in working for civil rights and social justice causes and things like that. And I don't know that I ever wasn't a feminist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I just, uh, I, I don't know how somebody in, in this day and age with the kinds of conversations that, that we are having as a culture, um, could empirically look at their at the at their language at the way they speak on a daily basis and not see that we have created a patriarchal system i mean all the way down to uh you know the 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 way in which we gender non-gendered things i mean you know if if you say that you're ta- uh, if if you say that you had lunch with a pilot today uh we, we have to codify whether or not you mean a pilot or a female pilot, which means that the default is male uh, to be a pilot. I mean, you know, it, it, uh, it, it just shocks me that there are some things that seem so natural to me that are not just natural realizations for other people. But I think coming to conversations of equality and social justice and inequity in general, um, being a gay man married to a Mexican immigrant, uh, you know, I, I, I have seen and experienced and been a part of a lot of uh, social inequity, um, a lot of inequality. And so, you know, one of, one of the episodes I'm also very proud of um, where we discussed intersectionality with Crystal Blanton, who uh, is a phenomenal pagan voice out of California, uh, but also a social worker and is very passionate about issues of race and, and social injustice and, and discussions of, of uh, intersectionality, um, which is, you know, sort of analyzing where you have privilege, but where you also have uh, a lack of privilege. But, you know, having having a lack of privilege doesn't necessarily negate the fact that you do have privilege in some areas like I'm gay. So that that puts me at a disadvantage. Um uh, you know, in the in the broader culture, but I'm also a white man, so that gives me an extreme amount of privilege. And it's finding, you know, sort of that that understanding of where that intersection exists for you. Yeah. Um, you wrote something on your blog about it was right after the election, and mm. I, I liked when I love when people when they're making a point they take like one word period the next word period you wrote privilege period one period last period night privilege one last night but it doesn't have to win forever and i would love for you to expand on that as well if you could 
why it doesn't like what what do we do for privilege not to win forever do you have any ideas i know it's very early after i'm assuming that you did not want the current president elect <laughs> i was not a fan of uh donald j trump and still not a fan of donald j trump and i think i, I was listening to an old because i i don't usually listen to my own show because oh, I know what I said, and I don't usually want to hear my own voice play back to me on the the podcast because I ramble. Um, but uh, I, uh, I about that. <laughs> um, I I remember listening to an uh, an episode from early 2016 where I said, "Well, we all know that he's not actually going to be president," and I was like, "Boy, I'm really glad I don't have to actually eat my own shoe for that." <laughs> so, um, uh, as far as you know, what we do to not allow privilege to win. I think it's doubling down on the kinds of conversations and the kinds of social and civil activism that uh, has become part of the current culture. This idea of revolution, this idea of having tough progressive conversations about what it means to have equality, what it means to be an ally, what it means to really stand up for somebody else's rights, whether or not that is going to lead to positive change for you and whether or not it's convenient for you. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. I mean, sure, you can grab a sign and you can go down to uh, you know, the national lawn and you can you know, protest on the steps of the Capitol building, or, I mean, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we can be activists. You can write letters, you can make phone calls, you can do things from the comfort of your own home. You can, uh, you know, be a voice for tolerance, be a voice for uh, social justice online. Um, you can make sure that the language that you, you use is policed and you can be open to being policed. I mean, I have, I, the, the kinds of, Conversations I've had over the years have definitely shown uh, evolution because, boy, I mean, you know, when you really delve into your own privilege and and having to examine your own intersectionality, gosh, I mean, some of the things that I said six, seven, eight years ago, I'm, or, you know, however long, the chock full of privilege, chock full of this young little white kid who just really thought he had all sorts of good intentions and <laughs> thought everybody should listen to him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I think that something that we can do to be better people and to have a better culture, generally speaking, is be willing to be policed. Because I think so many of us online, um, you know, so many of us that have personalities online, you know, we get into this, I have a point of view, this is how things are, here's my knowledge, here's my, uh, the data that I, you know, you know my go-to data to back it up, here's my links, here's my all of that. And I think that especially as progressives, especially as as people in a, in a minority faith, I think that we need to be willing to be wrong. And I think that that's something that inciting a riot has always advocated, um, but, I think it's something that I've had to learn personally as well, that it's that it's okay to be wrong and we should embrace being wrong. Um, That's an uh, interesting you know, thing about uh, tracking your journey online as well. It's just <laughs> how far you've come and how you don't agree with yourself from however many years ago. And then it's out there for all the world to just grab whenever they want to, like out of context. And you're like, wait, let me defend my 2013 self. <laughs> sure, sure. I mean... 
or don't and say, this is who I was and this is how I believed and this is why I changed. I, I don't necessarily feel like I need to go back and say, you know, this is what I said. This is why I said it. And I, I you know, yada, yada, yada. I mean, it, it's okay to say that guy was wrong. That guy was wrong. And here's why I changed. Here's what made me change. And here's why I think that if you thought the way I did, here's why I think you also need a wake up call. I mean, it's okay to be wrong. And it's okay to to be wrong publicly and be wrong grotesquely and be wrong <laughs> fabulously. Because, you know, when I, um, so I uh, am in a very highly regulated industry in my um, uh, mundane life. And we take a lot of, uh, you know, we have a lot of licenses that we have to keep and, and a lot of things that we have to do and a lot of testing that we have to go through. And I take a lot of very big, very difficult exams. And the one thing that helps me get through those exams is taking a lot of practice tests But the best thing about taking practice tests isn't knowing what you already know. It's not knowing the right answers. It's knowing the wrong ones. Because knowing the wrong answers means you know where you need to grow and you know uh, what you need to go do more research on and what you need to strengthen. Um, And I think that the way that we grow as a community, as pagans, as witches, as spiritual folks, as socially conscious folks, as civil uh, civil rights activists, as social justice warriors or whatever, if that's a good or bad term these days, I'm not sure. But, um, you know, as, as folks that are progressives, as folks that belong to the, the groups that we do, the way that we get stronger, the way that we get better is being okay with being wrong and recognizing when we are, uh, you know, we had a conversation earlier in the year last year around Asatru and how, uh, the folkish traditions in Asatru have a major racism problem. And it really came to the forefront last year. Uh, you know, when, when one of the largest Asatru, uh, groups here in, in North America and really around the world, published some incredibly racist things uh, on Facebook that ended up kind of lighting the pagan interwebs on fire. Um, And I remember that I wrote uh, an article called We Need to Talk About Asatru. And I I remember that there were a lot of folks who, you know, practice Nordic reconstruction uh, beliefs or um, identify as Asatru or identify as folkish or whatever that said, well, that's not fair. That's not right. That's not whatever, yada, yada, yada. And I remember there was this one lady um, who came up to me at Pagan Pride in Chicago and she said, you know, I I was one of those people that reached out to you and said, there is no way this is true. This is not how, uh, you know, this group really believes. And this is out of context and yada, yada, yada. So I reached out to them personally. And boy, you were right. <laughs> and I needed to really accept the fact that there were sections of the faith that I hold so dear that have a racism problem. And I, I've had to decide whether or not I want to continue to identify as also true as Nordic Reconstructionist or whatever, or whether or not I want to change, you know, the 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 moniker that I'm under to, you know, just pagan or or something else or something like that. She said, you know, and I decided that I'm I'm still also true. This this means something to me, and running from the group doesn't fix anything. It's acknowledging that we're wrong. It's acknowledging that that we have some very serious issues, and being on the inside and work for change. And I think that that's a 
big lesson that we all need because this community does have a lot of issues in the microcosm that need to be addressed all the way up to and including the fact that nobody can seem to tell me with any degree of universality what the word pagan means. That's funny. I was going to ask you that myself. Like, what does it mean to you? <laughs> I mean, what it means to me is, you know, and, and, and I, again, I look at it as a social scientist and I, I just look at what the majority seems to believe. If it's, it's a modern religion that goes back, I don't know, maybe 50, 60, 70 years, maybe a hundred. If we really want to get into uh, uh, sort of that air quotes, traditional witchcraft, which kind of came out in the late 1800s. I mean, maybe we can put a spin that it was 100, 120 years ago. I mean, there's Golden Dawn stuff and stuff like that. But, you know, it's it's basically at its core, if you take in what most people say it is, it's, it's a modern, uh, earth-based spiritual system that honors the natural cycles of... Uh, the earth, the natural cycles of the universe, um, and celebrates the the natural as sacred, the natural as divine. Um, some people, some groups, uh, put a reconstructionist bent and uh, you know revive uh, the worship of older deities or revive the worship of older cultures. And for those folks, you know, they have their own subgroups. If you're Wiccan, there's there's its own lore. If you're Asatru, uh, you know, it, there's its own lore and its own deities. If you're a Hellenic Reconstructionist, you have the Greek deities and the Greek culture to, to hearken back to. But if you're just talking the pagan umbrella, it's a broad spiritual uh, group of folks that typically revere uh, the, na- the, the natural as the sacred. You know what it makes me think of? I don't know if you're familiar with the rewilding movement in nutrition and health, but for me, it's the rewilding of spirituality. I do not associate or like that. I'm stealing it. Yeah. I mean, I (laughs) I don't follow any path. I'm very eclectic. What I'm interested in is I'm interested in magic. I'm interested in nature. I'm interested in the point where the two intersect as as well as the point where like psychology and spirituality meet. And for a long time, I did not identify at all with the word pagan. It's just from interacting with the pagan community that I started seeing it that way because I was interested in the rewilding movement. And I thought, well, yeah, I mean, I guess that's what this is. I'm I'm 100% stealing that. Go for it. it. The the rewilding of spirituality. I like that. Um, You know, I I am very quick to point out to most folks, though, that say that, you know, that they have some – this is where the critical thinking uh, comes into because a lot of times, you know, I see this this definition that's oh, it's the continuation of the air quotes capital O capital W old ways or capital O capital R old religion, and you know this this whole idea that there's this unbroken line going back thousands and thousands of years and yada 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 when history and facts just simply don't support that. I mean, it's a nice idea. It's beautiful. It's a lovely idea. And boy, howdy, if, if it were real, mm, I'd be right there for it. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think that there is a lot of value in recognizing that we are a modern religion and that, you know, we can hearken back to cultures of old. We can revere and, and uh, cherry pick from cultures of old, uh, 
if we find value in those cultures, if we find value in those practices, and, and we can make them part of our modern day. But I think that there should be a lot of pride in that we have taken this sort of modern understanding of, of the word pagan, of the word witch, and really created a, a new, beautiful, spiritual path out of it, a beautiful spiritual umbrella. And I think that that should be celebrated. I think we should celebrate it for what it is and not you know, what we'd like it to be, the fantasy of it. Um, and I think there's value in that. So you use the word religion a couple times here, which is a word I'm not personally crazy about. And I'm wondering if you use like that interchangeably with spiritual path or if you feel that you do practice a religion. Um, so thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm, I might have been using something interchangeably there. If we want to talk about, um, uh, you know, the pedantic sort of uh, what is what. I think if you're talking about somebody that's pagan, that identifies as a pagan, I think that that's somebody that practices more of a, a spiritual path. Um, I think that once you add dogma into it, once you add rules and things like that, then it becomes religion. Oh my God, I'm so allergic to both of those things. <laughs> <laughs> there, hence my not love of the word religion. Dogma and rules. I'm like, no, that's... <laughs> kryptonite not a fan do you subscribe to a particular dogma oh gosh i mean i yes and no uh as far as religious rules self-imposed religious rules um i don't think so uh i i think that my my religious rules are the same as my um rules for social consciousness. Okay. I mean, I probably have uh, a Wicca washed um, uh, practice around the Sabbaths. I do still celebrate sort of the eight Wiccan Sabbaths only because one, it's, it's sort of like not being uh, super incredibly religious, but still celebrating Christmas. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's whatever. Uh, I remember talking to uh, Sophia Naomi of Divine Community, um, and she was talking about uh, how her spouse uh, is basically culturally Jewish, <laughs> but not necessarily personally practicing it. Um, so, you know, I'm not Wiccan, but most of the pagan community in some form or other is celebrating something around the eight, you know, spokes of the, uh, the wheel of the year. And uh, so for me and, and my circle, we do still do stuff around the Sabbath just because everybody else is doing it. And it's it's fun to sort of be in that socially uh, uh, inclusive bubble of time. And it's also a, a good way to continue celebrating the the natural cycle of uh, of, of change, of, uh, you know, the spinning of the wheel, of, of uh, you know, the changes in the earth and yada, yada. It's a natural uh uh, it's a uh, creating the sacred out of the the cycles of the earth and things like that. So, um, you know, we do still do that. That's why I love it. I love the, sure. I love the wheel because of that. I like the psycho spiritual implications in it because I think that it's cycles of nature are revealed like in our own personal life. It's revealed in an art project, like the beginning of it all the way to the end of it. It's revealed yeah. in a relationship. I just see how those that particular cycle is almost like a template for creation or it is, I wouldn't even say almost, I feel like it is a template for creation and that it just applies to everything. So I can nerd out, nerd out on that a long time. <laughs> I love it. 
but not for religious purposes really like i don't i don't even call them typically by the are they traditional i mean i guess some of the names are traditional but i mean i guess you know some of them do harken back to older times and some of them are modern creations i mean the idea of in bulk i mean it's it's a pretty modern thing <laughs> you know beltane is older and and yule is definitely uh an older tradition um you know there's just a lot that that uh uh but at, at the end of the day i don't necessarily need i don't need it to be historically accurate for it to be a nice um spoke on the wheel for it to be a nice regular uh point in time for me to celebrate the fact that i'm still alive the earth is still turning i have a community yada 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 i don't need it to be uh ancient for me to celebrate it what uh what it means to me and to the community in the modern day yeah you've talked about community too and i know in the beginning you were saying you didn't really have much of a community and you felt that doing a podcast connected you to community and then I, yeah i've heard you i mean do interviews and stuff at pagan pride events and you've talked about yep. your own circle so how did that evolve did that come from doing your podcast or yeah yeah so first i had the blog and then i had the podcast and then people started listening to the podcast and it, it got kind of big and um be because of of the size of the audience and because of um uh the reach and i i guess the content um yeah i've i've been very privileged to be able to uh be invited to speak at a number of pagan events um you know here and around the country uh you know, as as other pagan podcasters and pagan podcasts also kind of came up, uh, you know, we we sort of formed this little bond around um, uh, one another. The the pagan podkin supermoot became a an event for like about five years or so, where we were going around the country and and you know once a year doing this big giant meetup, and we'd give classes and we'd do uh, you know meet and greets with folks and and you know kind of get to to revel in in one another's company. So I've been able to create a, a culture online and a culture um, here in Chicago, and and through it I've been able to meet some wonderful people who have become some uh, very dear friends. And yeah, we've created a, a practice together and uh uh but yeah i mean i i owe it all to to firelight i mean i owe it all to to the podcast i mean i i wouldn't have the kind of community that i have today or the kind of access that i have today if i hadn't uh you know put myself out there like that yeah that's so cool do you let's talk about the word leadership i'm working with the word leadership a lot this year so i'm curious to know if one you intended to step into a leadership role if you feel like you've been lifted into a leadership role by the community or if you just don't identify with that at all if it freaks you out <laughs> um oh gosh it doesn't freak me out i think that there'd be a lot of people that i roll at the idea of me being a pagan leader and i think i might be one of them but uh, um i think that anybody that is willing and brave enough to put themselves out there is is at least taking on a position of leadership. It's it's saying, I feel like I have something to say, and I would like to spearhead the direction of of saying it, even if it's just opening up the Scott Cunningham books and putting your own spin on, uh, you know, your own interaction with these herbs and stones. I mean, I you know, I really don't care what it is. I don't want to throw shade on anybody else's podcast uh, or anybody else's. Um, 
you know, blog format or, or the way that people, you know, do their paganism publicly. I think that if you're willing, you know, if you want to ovary up and, and go out there and, and, you know, kind of try to make a name for yourself or something. I mean, I think that there is some inherent leadership, you know, you are leading the way in, in some aspects that way. And I, I think that that's great. I think that that's, has a lot of value. But just having a voice. Sure. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm very grateful for the platform that I have and I have exactly the platform I want. Um, You know, I, I, there, there was a time, (laughs) you know, when, when it it could have become maybe something a little bigger when maybe, you know, books could have been published and I, I could have, you know, I don't know, maybe been a professional pagan or something like that, but that just never seemed like, what I needed and what I, I, I didn't find as much value in that. Um, not to say that I, I wouldn't publish something in the future and not to say that I, I wouldn't continue, you know, maybe entertaining some of those things in the future. But right now I'm very happy with, with the kind of voice that I have and the kinds of conversations that I get to have and the people that I get to, uh, ha- have those conversations with, uh, you know, I'm just so very grateful. Um, you know, when when you don't have a voice, you don't get to do things like call up Dorothy Morrison on the phone and say, hey, what's up? How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, or go on people's shows and, and have people ask you questions. I mean, it's it's th- there is a little bit of privilege that comes with it. But, you know, it's it's interesting to be able to put yourself out there and have your voice heard and have other people say, you know what? I've always wanted to say that or you know, I've always thought that or I've made that mistake, too. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think the role models of today are very human. We've got these brands coming out where people are presenting themselves as their brand in a way for better or worse. I can see some not great examples of that and some fantastic examples of it. And I think it kind of harken back, harkens back to what you were saying about admitting when you're wrong, having like a sense of I'm a flawed human person showing up for you today. And that might be different than who I was two years ago. I think that maybe a new kind of leadership is bubbling up to the surface now. Yeah, I mean, I I think that, um, uh, you know, I, I think that we have a new generation of voices that, you know, can have a voice that can make change in our community without having to have a book deal with Llewellyn mm-hmm. and you know and it not to throw shade on Llewellyn because they're doing a lot of great things to sort of evolve their publishing model and uh you know all props to folks like Lasara Firefox Allen which are sort of leading that that uh revolution there but um uh you know I I think that we have and it's because of technology it's because of uh the internet age it's because you know people can post a blog and it's very easy and you know people can put themselves out there and they don't need a publishing deal to be found and we can find one another so much easier than we ever could before and we can create a community and create a conversation better than we ever could before and i think that has so much value and i think that that's how we're going to survive i mean the pagan population makes up 0.03% of the entire American populace. 0.03%. I mean, that's smaller than just about anything else. I mean, it, it, you know, more people believe that the uh, world is run by shape-changing lizard men (laughs) than are pagan. (laughs) 
you know, six percent of the population thinks that the that the world is is run by shape changing lizard men that that uh, run a secret government, and and point zero three percent of the population identify as pagan or some subsection thereof, yeah. and. I think that the way that we survive and the way that we thrive is one, admitting that we're wrong, and two, fostering these kinds of conversations online, at pagan pride events, you know, at the ways that we can create community without actually having to physically be together. And we couldn't do that 20 years ago. We couldn't do that 40 years ago, but we can do it today. And I think that that's amazing. Yeah. Speaking of community. Let's go back to Nicole on Twitter because <laughs> I want to wrap this up because we're coming up on an hour here, but we have to answer Nicole's question, who is awesome and a fan of yours. Um, so she has two questions, and I'm just going to put them together, and you can answer whichever jumps out at you first. One, she says, because I know you will appreciate the humor, you should ask him to explain the nog. <laughs> so we, we need you to do that and then also ask him to talk about project pagan enough i think that needs to be brought back into the spotlight sure uh so the nog so i mentioned um pagan podkin supermoot um at the very first pagan podkin supermoot uh a group of sort of the bigger names of the day in pagan podcasting got together and we spent you know a, a couple days together and there was one very memorable night at the hotel uh, here in Chicago where we busted out a Ouija board <laughs> and decided to see what happened. And uh, uh, I don't know, one of the, the running gags that came out of it was we, we decided that we had contacted a spirit named the Nog. And that just came out of, I don't know, a, a silly Ouija board joke thing. Um uh, you know, the, the massive epic fail that was us trying to use a Ouija board. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, I think something spelled out Nog, N-O-G, and we decided that the Nog is sort of the, the, a spirit, the, the spirit of collective pagan podkin everywhere. You know, it's, it's the spirit that watches over all, all pagan podkin. And it's, it's becoming, it's become this running gag and, uh, the the nog we have decided is uh, we we celebrate the the pagan podkin um, around Yule will will also celebrate Nog's Watch, which is sort of a play on Hog Hog's Watch from the Terry Pratchett uh, Discworld series, uh, and Nog's Watch is just sort of our our play on uh, the nog and and how we all fear and 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 loathe uh, fear and and respect the nog and all oh of that God. so I'm have to in invoke the nog before my next you podcast. will have to well i would not invoke the nog we are Don't. to fear the nog okay. you are to you are to fear the nog and and revere the nog but never yeah never approach that he is to be feared okay. or it is to be feared. yeah it's i don't know it's funny. Right, Joe. Uh, there's actually you can you can go to incitingride.com and I think if you type in nog or I think one of the tags that you can click is the nog or something like that and oh and you can see some of the old really old articles about how we all kind of came up with the joke. Um, as far as Project Pagan enough, that came out. Oh God's! I mean, it had to have been the first two years of inciting a riot being a thing, uh, and. Um, it came out, and we we talked about earlier how 
there doesn't seem to be a good running functional definition for the word pagan that at least we can all uh, uh, agree on (laughs) without fighting um, and without a lot of hurt feelings. And so there's a lot of folks online and, and in person as well that say that if you don't dress the right way or if you make such and such amount of money or if you don't make such and such amount of money or if you haven't read this book or that book or gone to this class or have this certification or this lineage or you know whether or not you you know this particular section of information or you've done the right research or you've not done the right research you know whatever superficial thing that people want to add to it then you're not pagan and you know Project Pagan Enough is sort of my callback, my clapback to the community to say, um, you know, we don't necessarily have a working functional definition for the word pagan. I mean, some people, you know, attribute it to every non-Abrahamic faith, but that has its own problems. And then, you know, it's there's there's all of these these problematic definitions of of pagan. So why are you sitting here telling people what whether they are or aren't pagan? You know, if if they want to claim the title of pagan, if they want to do the work, if they want to be involved in the community, then who in the hell are you to tell them that they do not get to be pagan, that they are not pagan, that they are not a witch, that they are not, uh, you know, Wiccan or whatever. Uh, If we can't as a community agree to it, then you don't get to tell somebody that they are not it. Um, So, you know, they're, there are its own problems there, and there's a lot more uh, caveats to that. If you go to incitingariot.com, you can actually click on Project Pagan Enough. I mean, and it, it's just, you know, if you have a blog, there's a little button that you can copy and paste and put onto your blog. And it's basically just saying, I am willing to engage in respectful discussion with anybody, and I am not going to de- negate your claim to the moniker of being pagan just because I don't like the way you smell or dress or whatever. I mean, I've shown up to pagan events and been laughed at because I, I didn't look the part, you know, I was, uh, I, I, I dressed in a different way than most pagans did, or my hair looked different than most pagans did or something like, you know, just whatever superficial thing, uh, that somebody wanted to pick out and say, Oh, well, that guy can't be a real pagan, you know, look at him. (laughs) This is something I know about. I was in a punk rock band and I would show up with like long blonde hair and like I would wear dresses and you could see the whole audience just being like, what is going on? Why is she Let's even here? Let tell you about being blonde and pagan. <laughs> <laughs> Why is she even here? But I would win them over over the course of the show. But I And I think I enjoyed that a little bit. Um, but I, sure. I think the shaming of newcomers, too, is it's just – it's. I think it's an internal wound of insecurity, like this vein that kind of runs through the community because it's such a small community, because it's such a minority – because of the shaming so many people experienced in Abrahamic religions that led them to this path, I think it's just this shadow that is, thank you for bringing the shadow into the light the way you are. Oh, well, thank you. Um, you know, I, I appreciate that. But I, I I only think that I'm making the platform. I don't think that, I mean, it's not my conversation. I don't own that at all. All I, all I want is to make sure to continue to foster um, good conversation and quality conversation and for us as a community not to get mired in so much i don't i don't know fluff i mean just so much uh nonsense i mean telling somebody whether they are or aren't pagan i mean my god do we not have bigger fish to fry i mean <laughs> or do we not have other things to be talking about whether or not 
I don't know, Jasmine Moonraven over there is is really a pagan because she hasn't read the Golden Dawn or, or uh, the, the Golden Bow or whatever. I mean, you know, I, I just I feel like we have better conversations to have than taking away somebody else's claim to the title pagan. And and you know what, if it works for them, fine, because until you can tell me differently, you know, we we, we can't I don't know, we can't be taking that away from people. That's part of the beauty of being a pagan, too, is forging your own spiritual path, which means it's your it's your own. It's not a democracy. Other people don't get to. <laughs> Absolutely. To and I and I I think that we wouldn't have such a problem with it if we were also fine being a modern religion. Like if we were fine with the fact that we are actually historically, you know, this this path that we're on is decades to i don't know maybe a century old or so you know it's a very modern very very modern religion or very very modern spiritual path you know whichever word you want to use it's a very modern spiritual grouping of people and i think we would be a whole lot more okay with you know people claiming the term pagan if we didn't also try to link it to this false narrative of you know this this continued line of uh, Eurocentric, uh, this unbroken line of, of Eurocentric paganism that that never existed. But we want to hold on to this myth so hard that even in our language, even in the way that we talk to other people, even in the way that we uh, police our own community, we still have to get in that little dig about, well, you're not really, a, I mean, you know, it's, it's just, I think we would be okay if we took ourselves just a little less seriously, yeah. if we didn't need to be ancient, if we didn't need to be right. <laughs> if we didn't need to be ancient. <laughs> I mean, my God, you know, and this happens every single freaking year between Halloween and Christmas. Every little pagan gets out and they get on Wikipedia or they start Googling garbage and they start talking about how the Christians stole all our ancient traditions and how we're just so ancient. And those silly Christians with their stealing our stuff. I'm like, how many millennia does something have to be somebody else's holiday before we can say that Christmas is its own freaking thing? <laughs> How many millennia do they have to have their own damn holiday before we say it's theirs? And how many, uh, you know, and, and my God, I mean, we're just, we're a few decades old. Stop calling yourself and stop, stop lumping other people into a term that was in, invented and, and, uh, you know, promulgated in the last century. Like, stop it. The, again, bigger fish to fry, better conversations to have that don't, you know, lend themselves to so much historical revisionist crap <laughs> sorry crap. it's a tangent of mine all right well i think the worst word you've said on the show so far is crap and um <laughs> i've said much worse so i totally appreciate it you know i i really want to i don't always do this for the podcast interviews but i always do on the video interviews i always end those asking people you know what's your one tip for creating the kick-ass life of your dreams and in listening to you talk about you're married which I think uh -huh. is, I'm gonna assume it's a nice marriage it's a kind of love success story you yeah. you are highly educated you have, <laughs> you have a career you have a podcast that you referred to as I'm paraphrasing here but something about how it's the exact platform that I want so I'm gonna say and you have a lot of friends so I'm gonna say <laughs> 
you know something about creating the kick-ass life of your dreams. So could you share a tip with us here about that before I let you go? Oh, God. <laughs> um, stop wanting it so hard. Mm. That's the first thing that came to mind. Stop wanting it so damn hard. <laughs> I, I um, Because want, when you want, you typically want what somebody else has. And, you know, the, uh, it's, it's so difficult to create your own life, your own path, your own worldview, whenever you're wanting it to be somebody else's. Right. Or whenever you're wanting it to be like somebody else's. Uh, somebody that I admire, and I think most of the online pagan community admires is Sarah Lawless. Mm, um, yes. I think everybody kind of wants to wake up and be Sarah Lawless. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's, she's just kind of that like epitome of the witch we all secretly wish that we were. And I, I mean, I adore her and I've had so many conversations with her over the years and I just adore her. But I think that wanting to be her is so disingenuous to kind of the the kind of life and the kind of path that I have forged for myself. I mean, yeah, I have I have looked at the pictures of her book of shadows. I've looked at the pictures of her artwork and the way that her altar is set up and the kinds of things that she does and just gone, oh, I love that. I wish that were mine. But it's not genuine to me. And I think stop it. I mean, you know, it's it's like the advice about, you know, finding a mate finding a, a significant other stop looking for them and and you know it, it they'll they'll appear yeah you know if you if you stop seeking it so hard you'll let the universe work and and bring the two of you together i think if you stop wanting somebody else's paths or or somebody else's life so hard you'll allow space for your life and your path and your worldview to flourish might be talking about self-love here too like if you just sure. so completely fall in love with your own life and your own yes. self i believe like attracts like like that expands people are attracted to that whether that's in a career sense or a romantic sense or having your own podcast sense if you're passionate and in love with what you're doing that's just so attractive and then it attracts the right people because you're being authentic and by the right people i mean people that are a match to who you truly are inside. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, and again, I think it's, it's being okay. I mean, what did Miss Frizzle teach us all in the nineties? Who is Miss Frizzle? <laughs> I'm sorry. What? Who's <laughs> Miss Frizzle? I just think I'm going to have to end this interview right all now. Right, are you telling over. me, you, are you telling me you have never seen the magic school bus? I'm 43. I don't care. You don't. Oh, my. Okay. So first of all, get Theta Netflix and go watch The Magic School Bus. <laughs> and I need you because it is going to be your new favorite thing. And you're going to just devour it like so much cheese dip. Oh my but um, uh, so Miss Frizzle's big tagline on The Magic School Bus in the 90s was um, uh, take chances, make mistakes and get messy. And I think that if you want a good life, if you want a good spiritual path, if you want whatever, you need to take chances. So you need to you need to put yourself out there. You need to be willing to be wrong. So you need to make mistakes. And you need to get messy with, I mean, you get your hands dirty. You know, I love when people are, are, are 
part of a nature religion that, you know, avoid dirt. (laughs) (laughs) Avoid nature completely. I mean, listen, I don't love to be messy. Anybody that knows me knows I am a neat, you know, I am a neat person and I love my outfits and I, but listen, I know that to be pagan, I need to get out there and at least get some hands dirty, you know, either physically, either, either literally or metaphorically. And I think you need to do all three of those things to, to, uh, have a good, have a good spiritual life. That's a good wrap up. I think that kind of encapsulates all that we talked about here as well. I'm going to tag on, on the end of this, the, the the conversation we had before the interview about your name being Firelight because I think it's super interesting and I think people will get a kick out of that. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is the end. My new friend. I'm so happy to meet you. Thank, Aww, you, thank so, you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and chatting with me. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. If anybody wants to check out uh, more about me, not that I haven't talked pretty much solidly for the last 57 minutes, but um, if you want more of this garbage, uh, you can head over to incitingariot.com. You can find me on Twitter at incitingariot. Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I am actually just Firelight, F-I-R-E-L-Y-T-E on uh, Facebook, or you can uh, like the show, facebook.com slash incitingariot podcast, I want to say. Um, and like I said, the the actual website is incitingariot.com where I'm sure if I'm forgetting something, you can uh, go there, subscribe to the show on iTunes, like rate, comment, all of that good stuff. Um, And I will also make sure that everybody in the riot community knows about the hippie witch and uh, uh, my new love affair with you. (laughs) All right. Well, let's keep the conversation going. And until until we meet again, much love to you. Peace. Okay, and wait, we're just calling you Firelight? Like, Firelight yes. is your name. If I met is you, my, if, if I met you... If, if you met me, uh, if we were at, if you met me in uh, at, at a pagan pride event, if I were speaking at a local pagan witchy shop, if I were giving a class, uh, if I wrote an article specifically for a pagan journal, like Witchbox, or uh, when I've written for... Um, uh, the Wild Hunt, uh, when I was writing for, uh, well, just all the different, pl- I mean, you know, anything that I do under the pagan umbrella is done under the name Firelight. So that was, it's for good or for ill, that's sort of how it started. It started almost as a joke. Well, actually, that's probably something for the show. But um, it, <laughs> it started as a joke because of all the ridiculous names that people give themselves. And so I did the whole, like, what is your spirit number? You know, add up the number, the letters of your name and it gives you a number and then you do this to find your spirit name or whatever. I don't know, your your witchy magic secret name. And so that's what I did. And this was what came out of that. Oh uh, and so I used it initially as a joke. And then the show got really big. <laughs> and then I started being, and then I started being invited to things as like a, a, featured speaker and guest and things like that. And I thought, Oh God, I don't want people calling me firelight in person, (laughs) but I don't know. Then I went and it, and people did and I, I didn't feel weird about it. So I, I, cool. 